Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Take a dose of every day how am I supposed to stay in a world built on empty ways? And the lessons are out of rage. Greetings from Columbus, Ohio. It's September 17th, and I am perched up in the office of my in-laws tying up flies. We are in town for our little cousin Elena's wedding to Caleb. And Caleb's going to be a great addition to the family. He's a big hunter and fisherman. His passion is ice fishing up here in the winter. So we came in early. The wedding's on Saturday. It's Wednesday, if you're keeping count with your calendar. And I've got a lot of free time up here. The family's downstairs all speaking Russian. I don't speak Russian, as you know. So I am up here in the office, time flies, preparing for the Project Healing Waters trip for Steelhead at the end of next month. And I really only brought materials for one fly. It's a flashback, soft hackle, <clears throat> soft hackle, ribbed pheasant tail with a small bead on it. So the materials I brought with me, of course, are Hungarian partridge, hot orange, uh, medium wire, ostrich hurl, I'm sorry, peacock hurl, flash of boomerang, and pheasant tails. And then I've got the beads. And if you're inquiring where I get my beads, they are Wholesale Fly Company. 
And these are the 2.5 millimeter or 764ths. They're 100 beads for like two or three dollars. It's a ridiculous deal. The problem with the last bead was the flat end, it was really sharp and it sliced my thread. I've switched up my thread now. I am using Semperfly 12 aught, 50 yards, nano silk thread from Cascade Crest Tools. It is crazy thin, it's light, wispy. You can do 10 wraps and it doesn't build up a body at all. And the problem with this fly for me is if you've ever seen my tying tutorials or ever seen me tie in person, I'll tie flies pretty quickly. Most of my flies are not that intricate. You can crank them out quickly, but this is a it's a smaller fly and it does take a little more agility. So in the last 40 minutes, I only tied one, two, three, seven flies in 40 minutes, which for me is is rather slow. And I am listening, catching up to podcasts. I'm catching up on Tom Rosenbauer's Orvis podcast, the Mike O'Mara Show podcast. In addition to those, I am listening to the Open Fly podcast, and I'm listening to the Itinerant Angler podcast. So I just brought materials for one fly. I plan on tying as much as I can in the next three to four days when I'm not out and about. I'm going to head over to Orvis later while I'm in town, pick up their Wapsi Z-Mint. It's a brushable applicator, and Justin Chavon from Orvis in Arlington, and the title Potomac Fly Riders turned me on to this stuff at the last beer tie. It's awesome. So I'm going to get a bunch of those for tying. I'll probably stop into Mad River Outfitters on my way up to fish Allen Creek Lake for muskies later today. And I'm also going to hit up Cabela's because I need some split shot and I just like wandering around in there, maybe get some tippet materials, just see what gear I might need for the boat for the upcoming Healing Waters trip. And that's about it as of now. I'm planning on doing some carp fishing as well. Mike Dokato from Red Spot Fly might show me some spots that he said my 8 weight, specifically my 10 foot 8 weight might be overkill for up here. Maybe I'll have to borrow a rod from him. I might meet up with Scott Davis from Orvis from Dayton, Ohio. We'll see just how things go while we're here. We're going to do a lot of cooking. Tonight, the wife is making chicken wings. Uh, if you look up La Brea, as in the tar pit, chicken wings, that's one of the recipes she uses. They're filthy. They're disgustingly awesome, and you just can't stop eating them. And tomorrow, I'm making everybody stuffed crust pizza from scratch. It's the Bobby Flay crust recipe. It's really good. You make it in the food processor or your mix master, whatever. It's awesome. We will see how this podcast goes. I have no idea what's in store for me this quiet week. I'll be on the couch sleeping. Hopefully the family can help take care of the pixie so I get a little time off from her. And, yeah, we're just going to chill, relax, and I'll do some retail shopping and some fishing. So stay tuned. We will see where things go from here. Emailed and texted with Mike this morning. We both had free time. We decided, I don't know, around noon or 1 o'clock we'd meet up. And from there, we parked the cars and rigged up. Mike said my 10-foot-8 weight would be overkill. These were not the 30-pound carp I'm used to. These were like two to four pounders in the Olentangy. Oh, there's a big yawn. (sighs) See, if I had gotten the first three takes, I wouldn't be so tired. But people keep interrupting me. Mike strung up a six-weight sage rod for me. It's been a long time. Since I fished a sage, it was awesome, fast, lightweight, accurate. 
he tied up a leader for me and his cree fly, which is like a I don't know, little brown crayfish, which was good because there are brown crayfish in the Olentangy. So we set off stocking carp, and there'll be pictures of Mike in the bushes hiding. And we walked upstream, maybe a half mile, quarter mile, poking in and out through the vegetation, trying to look for carp. And it was kind of, sun was just at a bad angle. The water's very low. Hasn't rained here in Ohio in a while. He said it was about two inches lower today than probably yesterday when he fished, or the day before. We saw some fish cruising. We saw some, some carp sunning. We saw some quillbacks mixed in with them. The closest I got to a quillback was a dead one on the shore. Picture will be on the blog, of course. And we were basically just hunting for feeding carp. It's a waste of time to fish for carp that aren't feeding because carp that aren't feeding aren't going to eat. We hiked and hiked and, and crossed the stream, and I was very surprised at how cold it was when I first stepped into it. It was, it was numbingly cold. I was wet wading. After all the years and horror stories I've heard about the Olentangy, I was a little scared, but uh, nothing seems to be infected, none of my cuts and boo-boos. I seemed to be okay. I showered as soon as I came back in. We fished for about three and a half hours, maybe. Um, I had a couple shots at some, some feeding fish. We saw a couple carp leaping. Very urban water, the same kind of junk in there as you'd find back home. There was a motorcycle skeleton, there were oil drums, there was a TV, liquor bottles, cigarette butts, random wire, metal ropes, uh, you name it, shopping carts. So I, I felt at home. And we, we worked upstream, we worked downstream, and we got down to a nice long flat where there were a couple of little guys feeding and I threw wormies, I threw hybrid carp flies, I threw the creep bug, and I threw damsel nymph. Couldn't get anything to eat, nothing to really look at the flies, but it was fun. It was it was good to meet Mike. Um, you know, we're friends of friends and now we know each other. We knew each other through social media. We've tried meeting up before. He's not really doing the fly time thing, so I wanted to talk to him on the podcast, but figure why harass him with the dat here. So we just walked and fished and talked about where we both came from, our, our fishing habits, steelhead, what our wives do, uh, what we're making for dinner tonight. I was recording this segment and got called down because somebody didn't know how to make coconut rice. And I said, that's what Google is for. You Google the same, the same recipe I just used. I Googled when I was down there. They could leave me alone for a minute. So we finished up at about 4.30, and then I decided I needed to go up to Orvis. And not knowing really where I am, I decided to drive. And a lot of traffic actually surprised me. It took me about 15 to 20 minutes to go nine miles. Very nice Orvis store. They're typical cookie cutter now. I had a good selection of, uh, of fishing gear. I'd say the store back home, the Clarendon shop, is a little more... More well laid out, more flies. But I got my Z-Ment that Justin got me hooked on. Let's hope I don't glue my hand to the vise. Don't want to get glued anywhere else like, like Jeems from American Pie. What else? So hung out there a little bit, talked to one of the guys, got some maps drawn. One for Gar, one for Smallmouth. Let me discuss the flies for the spillway where I'm going to go tomorrow. That's about it. Um, oh, they're the clams. Yeah, there were clams in the Olentangy that were the size of Frisbees. Like, huge. I wasn't going to bring one 
like a clamshell bag for my daughter just to see. The things are freaking enormous. I mean, bigger than my hand. You could use one for a sled. It's so big. We saw one that was alive, which was pretty cool, with its gastropod, its stomach foot out and creeping along the bottom. So we saw crayfish. We saw some little bait fish, a lot of quillbacks. Quillbacks were mixed in with the carp. But nothing would take our flies. And then I, I took off, so Mike went back to the river. Hopefully he hooked up. I'll go check social media soon because everyone downstairs is speaking Russian, and I'm just clueless. It took about 20 minutes to get back from Orvis in, I want to say, Worthington. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The plan is get up tomorrow morning and drive up, fish the spillway, go to Cabela's, sniff around there, maybe get another pair of these hard-working pants. You can hear how hard they are here. These are nice hard work pants. I'm clumsy and I destroy most of my clothes. That's, I need the work pants. And then I'm going to go to the organic market up there at Polaris and get my wife and brother-in-law some kombucha. The two of them likes the kombuchas, which I don't even want to try it. I don't, you know, if it's nasty, it's nasty. If it's good, I don't want to know because it's three fifty a bottle, and that costs more than beer. So I'm going to shy away from trying the kombucha. But I need to get string cheese because I am making stuffed crust pizza tomorrow. So we will check in with you tomorrow. We'll see how things go. I had a good day here. I'm well-rested. I've been tying flies. Uh, these ones take a lot longer to tie, so maybe maybe 18 I've tied so far today. But some of them are just awesome. I can't wait to, to have some vets swinging those. So check in with you tomorrow. Toodaloo. So the other day was Thursday, and I got up eh, fairly early. I get to sleep in while I'm here. And I took a nice leisurely drive in my father-in-law's car, which is nice because it's a Honda CRV like I have, but he has an armrest. Mine broke off years ago. And I drove up to the Allen Creek Spillway, got out my 10 weight, got on sink tip, built an 80-pound shock butt leader, and put on a bunker fly. And as I start making my way down there, I realized, too, there's no water in this body of water. It was about a foot deep. There were no muskies. There was nothing but carp and quillbacks. I spent maybe an hour walking back and forth, sight casting to some feeders and some sunners and some just milling around. Absolutely nothing. It just was not worth it. Where the water was last year was probably about five to seven feet higher. So whatever fish were in there or not now, they probably swam somewhere else downstream. As you remember last year, there was a huge flood at Allen Creek Spillway. So I went and fished the tail section of the spillway, which was full of bass and bluegill and some gizzard shad. I put on a damsel nymph, got a couple of tugs, put on a claw dad, got no love. And that was about it. I decided to call it after, like I said, about an hour. Drove my way over to Cabela's. I picked up some fall fishing gear, namely Berkeley Fireline 30-pound in black. That is going to be used for intruder shanks 
for intruder flies. I am currently in the mood of tying the hobo, H-O-H-B-O. It's a fairly simple spay pattern. I also picked up some size 7 split shot and some BB split shot. And I got some bison and elk jerky. This is about all I got up at Cabela's. Remember, the Cabela's in Columbus is pretty small. They don't have much of a fishing department. But I did pick up a bunch of worm hooks, namely for Somerset and for the next couple of weeks while we finish off our warm water fishing for bass and snakeheads. From Cabela's, went over to the organic market, and I found the organic soda that I got in Almart in Alma, Colorado. You can hear Dr. Jones now. There's a squirrel. There are more squirrels in Bexley, Ohio, than any place I've ever seen. So Dr. Jones has just been going crazy barking at them. So I went over to the organic market and picked up that kombucha for the wife, and I got a whole bunch of these organic sodas. I got grape, and I picked up Dr. Becker. Dr. Becker is their knockoff Dr. Pepper. From there, I drove to Mad River Outfitters in Dublin, and I talked to the guys there and said where I'd just been fishing, and the guy at the register's reaction was, why are you fishing at the spillway? Who told you to go there? I was like, I just figured I'd try it out, see what it looks like in the summer as opposed to winter. He said, those fish really don't feed. They're just kind of in there. They don't really eat flies. I went through the Lady Amherst plumes. I wanted some nice long spay plumes for my hobos. So I picked those up, and I picked up two spools, medium and large, of the dark purple wire for making some purple and black Jumbo Johns for the Salmon River this winter. From there, I got a text from the wife to pick up some Aperol. Her drink of choice in this weather is the Spritz. So I went to the liquor store next door, and lo and behold, I found they carried Mirror Pond beer. So I picked up the IPA for the wife, and I left the... Oh, sorry, it's the Deschutes Brewing Company, and the one she likes is Mirror Pond. So she has a case of Mirror Pond that my father-in-law drove back from Colorado. So we left... Those in the refrigerator case. I picked up a six-pack of cider for myself. I like the harpoon cider. It's just nothing but fermented apples. No extra sugar, no extra nasty, just pure old-fashioned cider. And I picked up a bottle of the Captain because they're drinking a lot of cocktails here. The Captain Clear. And I ended up making myself what I call Captain Becker. Captain Morgan Clear with Dr. Becker. And I had that in my Yeti Rambler. It's fantastic. So from there, I came back here and uh, got back to the flying table. Fly tying table. Jeez, I, I, it's been a long day. I'm digesting a gigantic falafel sandwich. So I've been cranking out the soft tackle flashback pheasant tails. If I can get around to it, I'll do a tutorial for YouTube. And I was using the uh, Z-Mint I picked up. So I've got maybe three dozen of those patterns tied up. And that should fairly well treat us for a couple of days up on the Salmon River. Whatever we don't use up there, we'll be using back home in the winter. And then yesterday, my father-in-law took me to a pond, which he said, um, with his Russian accent, was crap. But it's the S-H word. And I was like, you know what? I'd rather just drive over there. It's a 10-minute drive. Find out. So we drove over to the Jewish Community Center and parked and walked across Alum Creek and down this bike trail that parallels the interstate. 
And lo and behold, there's two ponds there, but of course, being how dry it has been this summer, not a whole lot of water. The geese were walking around, and their feet were not even underwater. So we walked down and around the other side of the lake and found a cutout, and lo and behold, there's a nice 15-pound carp just sitting there, and there's some bluegills. And as soon as I pull the line off my rod, all of the fish spook. So I had a couple shots at some carp, but nothing serious. Did catch two bluegills, so I've now caught uh, about five different fish in Ohio in the last 15 years. One steelhead, probably five, four bluegill now. Walked around the lake some more because the water line was so low, I was able to walk the shoreline. A lot of aquatic vegetation, couldn't really get a clawdad through there. I did catch that bluegill on a wormy, and the other one was on a blood's dot. And I had to bushwhack around a bit through poison ivy and all sorts of scratchy trees and was just like, F this, I'm done. And we came back here, and I broke down the rod because my license expired yesterday, and today was hanging out with the family. So things I've learned from this podcast and fishing trip is uh, check the weight rod you need for the area. I brought a 10-foot 8-weight which was inappropriate for the carp. Five weight, nine foot would have been perfect. Probably could have brought some more brown-colored flies, some little crayfish. Crayfish were also recommended up at Mad River Outfitters, itty-bitty ones. And check the water levels. When I'm going on a serious trip, even back home guiding, I'm checking the weather and water levels daily. I haven't checked the weather app once here. haven't checked water levels. I'm just winging it. It was something to do while we're here just to get out and have some free time. So you definitely want to check those criteria, things I I talk about all the time, just didn't do on this trip. But I was able to go to the fly shops, pick up some materials, and get some gear and some sodas. And I think that's about it. I am sitting outside right now in a three-piece tailored suit. I have on socks. I am clean-shaven. I don't know the last time I've been clean shaven, but I still go that I have not used shaving cream in five years. And I didn't even cut myself. So, nice, nice smooth face here. And I am going to hopefully eat some cake tonight at the wedding. And that wraps up this podcast, unless something fan, fun, fancy, exciting happens tonight, tomorrow. Other than that, let's just call this uh, a podcast on. A learning experience. Check the information before you go. And with that, I will sign off. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. succeed you want to fish you want to be one of the greatest tune in to west marines life on the water presented by costa custom boats every saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m eastern on waypoint tv you'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing but as i've learned no matter where i've been whitetails can be damn tricky Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern.
Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.